The Unity is submarine. So said the late, great Caribbean poet, Kamal Brathwaite. So let's dive deep. I'm your host, Tally Goff, and you're listening to my submarine podcast, Get Free. For this first episode, I'm joined by award-winning Kiowa filmmaker, Jeffrey Palmer, my colleague at Cornell University, where we both teach in New York. We are the co-founders of The Dark Laboratory, a humanities collective where theory meets ecology and technology on the subject of Black and Native crossroads. This Dark Laboratory crossover episode of Get Free features part one of Jeff and I, on a drive-around tour of Cayuga Lake in upstate New York. We engage with Black and Indigenous speculative geographies and histories. Part one begins with three points of interest around the perimeter of the lake, one of the Finger Lakes. Point one, the farmlands to the south of Aurora. Point two, the signage for Peachtown and the Sullivan-Clinton campaign of the Revolutionary War the forced violent removal of Native peoples. And point three, Cayuga Castle and the Indian Burial Mound. Our second crossover episode will feature the continuation of the drive with Jeff and I from Seneca Falls to Cornell University. And it seemed like people were really excited about the idea of our podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was really like an eye-opening experience going around the lake and sort of thinking about all of these different things that have happened. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it made me feel, made me feel really like connected to the space and opened up my eyes to all of the different things that have happened here, which is just an incredible amount of history that extends back so, so many, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And, um, I don't know, it was just really exciting how, in as I was telling you, just in a really short drive, you get all of this information, you know, um, that goes through your imagination. Yeah. I think something that was really powerful for me was thinking about the scale of time in the way that you described it because I think I was thinking on the scale of centuries and hundreds of years, but I think you're correct that it's thousands of years of history that we need to contend with in terms of Cayuga people, but also just more broadly. Um, And I feel like that's the kind of scale that I feel from words from a bear in terms of this question of origin story. So I'm driving back now towards Wells College. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how recent it is, but also how white Aurora is as you're describing it. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the time period of the Magna Carta from 1215. And if we consider European history, it's just on a different time scale than the United States, thinking about, you know, almost 250 years since the Revolutionary War. But it's also to say that there's hundreds, right, centuries of indigenous history here. 
that they have essentially just told us never happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, the interesting thing about driving this scenic byway around the Cayuga is all of the grave sites, graveyards that that you see. Mm -hmm. And many, many of those graveyards are are, you know, from the 1700s, 1800s. And wow. So there's definitely like this demarcation of the people that were here <laughs> um, in terms of settlers, but, mm-hmm. but there's nothing really. Every, when, when you think about all the indigenous people that have lived here for thousands of years, um, yeah. there's, there's no gravestones, there's no right. markers. There's there's nothing really that says okay these people actually lived here, and right that's always the interesting like again like I said there's there's just this challenge I think in your imagination especially when mm-hmm. you're a filmmaker an indigenous filmmaker or indigenous artist or historian to try to constantly be mapping and putting the pieces together of where things are. And so when I see these signs, like when I drive through Aurora and I see Peach Town, I see that, yes, there was this campaign that happened here where people were definitely murdered. People were definitely uh, probably raped. um, Right. And their land was forcibly taken from them and their villages were burned down. Mm-hmm. But I have to imagine all of that. Like I, there, there's nothing here to suggest that any of that was here, and right. it's just been completely either destroyed or it's it's hidden, and and you 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 have no evidence of it at all, and the only evidence you have are these these signs. Um, that essentially mark the spot. And those signs are not necessarily accurate in their description. So then you have to start going by like how you feel and what you can imagine um, the space to be like. And then also to go back into the historical record, but through also oral narratives and the oral tradition to try to piece all of these different things together. That makes so much sense to me. I wish I could be there to see it because I feel that what we're talking about is this myth of virgin land. And it just, it takes me back to when I started my PhD program in American studies. And one of the first texts they had us read was Virgin Land, the American West as Symbol and Myth by Henry Nash Smith, which was published in 1950. And I feel like it's such a critical text <laughs> in terms of really understanding what America means and what settler colonialism means and really that it's a this European process has been solely about extractivist capitalism. So to me when I hear Peach Town and the sign is talking about the orchards, it's so clear that they could only see it the British, these colonialists could only see the land for what they could extract from it, like what they could take from it, which had been cultivated 
by indigenous peoples, in fact. <laughs> but it seems like the indigenous emphasis in the naming is on the natural beauty and thinking about the time of day and the view, the vista, whereas the European way is to only, it is centering nature in the peaches, but this is again about this kind of plantation logic of like, now we're, gr we're growing the same crop here, row after row, orchards of peaches. So I'm sitting right now, there's a, there's a site that's just north of mm -hmm. Aurora. Um, this is called Cayuga Castle. Oh. And it says it's the site of Principal Cayuga Village, destroyed September hmm. 29th. Or uh, let me see. I can't see if it's... No, it's September 23rd. So it's the... Wow. Yeah. Site of the Principal Cayuga Village, destroyed September 23rd, 1779, Sullivan Campaign. Wow. What a time for us to be, yeah, taking this tour. It's pretty amazing. Um, huh. I'm going to try to take a photo here. Out yeah, if you have time. to Let me do that real quick. There's also an interesting sign here that is saying that there is a says Indian Mound just east of here known to be the site of an early Jesuit mission. Wow. Yeah, I mean, religion is something that we're going to have to talk about, right? And missionaries, this kind of conquest through Christianity. Yeah, and all three of these signs, you know, are here. So there's the Cayuga Castle sign, there's mm -hmm. that Indian Mound sign. And then on the other side here, I've got a, I'm going to get an image here of the Sullivan Clinton campaign. Wow. Um, so this Great. is what this reads. Mm -hmm. Routes of the armies of General John Sullivan and General James Clinton, 1779, an expedition against the hostile Indian nations, which checked the aggressions of the English and Indians on the frontiers of New York and Pennsylvania, extending westward the dominion of the United States. Wow. There's so much to unpack in that statement. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's just so much violence there that's pretending to be objective. Very, very interesting. And when you see the photo, it's just a really cool, mm -hmm. interesting, like, monument that's been erected here. So. Wow. And so are these signs, like you said, they're blue and yellow. Are these um, erected by New York State? Or do you have a sense of who put them up? They look like they've been erected by New York State. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting as well. I guess we can investigate when they were even put up. Yeah, once we look at the photos, wow, there's one there. I can't really see it, though. I can't make it out. It's um, mm -hmm. probably another sign that's pointing to Cayuga Castle. Okay. And yeah, I think it's good for us to talk about um, our dark laboratory class and our aim to, you know, have folks think about creating with us a decolonial glossary because I feel like there's so many things that can't be translated um, 
in terms of the trauma, but also just the fact that there are so many different languages and languages that have been erased. Um, so I think it will be important for us to even think about the term American <laughs> and how much erasure that kind of performs. Um, so I think it's interesting that on the sign, as you read it, they referred to Indian nations and in a plural sense. So I guess, would you care to kind of expand on this question of, you know, people, definitely students often ask like, oh, should I say American Indian? Is Indian correct? Is that not correct? Is it Native American? So what do you think about the signage and the sort of terminology it's using? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the it's interesting when I when I look at all of these different signs is that they're they are again like utilizing the same terminology that I think everybody has issues with. So like in those mm. three like in those three signs right there, you see the Cayuga, which are the specific mm-hmm. tribal group, right? And right. And then you also see Indian Mound, so the use of the word Indian. And then you're Mm -hmm. also seeing, you know, Native Nations, right? So there's quite a bit of terminology that has always been used, I think, to describe Mm -hmm. Indigenous people of this space. Right. All, you know, mo- right. most most of them being wrong, right? Because even even the Cayuga is not translated yeah. into their original tribal language, right? And what how they oh. conceive themselves or perceive themselves. So, yeah, it's it's always been I think problematic. Right. I think it's so important like the difference between what we call ourselves and what they call us. And certainly India is not here. <laughs> right. So it's already the wrong name if there is a right name that Europeans could have come up with. Absolutely. I mean, it's always, and again, like this goes back to Peach Town, it goes back to a lot of these things. The mm. history is just being created as it's, you know, as these particular people walk into the situation, you know? So the fact that and then it stays it never gets changed the people themselves never get asked um you know how they want to define themselves um they weren't worthy to 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 have that agency to be able to make their own descriptions Mm -hmm. of themselves and for those colonial people to take it seriously and not only that, I mean, I think that the, those types of names have always objectified indigenous people. They, they mm-hmm. always allow for it to, to be objectified to the point where, again, you are not thinking about it in complex terms and it, and it becomes, again, part of this like product. It becomes something that you can just easily describe and that it goes into this like taxonomy essentially of description and right it never goes any deeper than that when i think about it 
in what I do in my work, I try to be mm -hmm. as specific to the tribal group as I can. And, mm -hmm. um, and if I can get all the way down to the fact that I'm using the language, then that really, I think, is coming as close as you can to coming up with a proper description for the indigenous people that are everywhere. And you're, you're trying right. somehow to, to, again, piece that puzzle together. And so oftentimes I end up getting very, very close, but I end up losing, you know, the, the ability to do that, whether it, if I'm making a film, like for example, if you watch Words from a Bear, like we talk a lot about Kiowa people in the film. Mm -hmm. We don't say the original, you know, language name, which is Skoiku. So Kiowa oh. is uh, the English pronunciation of what the Kiowa pronunciation is of the people, which is Skoiku. And, oh. um, and so we don't use that in the film because yeah. again, you have to kind of, you have to jump through these hoops, I think, in order to hold on to these descriptions for people to, to make sense of them. I don't agree right. with it or believe it, but we, we use, we interchange the, the words too. So like when you watch words from a mm -hmm. bear, you'll hear Indian, you'll hear native American, you'll hear American Indian, you'll hear Kiowa. So all of those different things, you know, again, are part of, the way that we describe ourselves. I guess essentially, you know, he's ignored native people in the four years that he's been president, but he also has a history of, of you know, having confrontation, I think, with native sovereignty and, you know, right now he's trying to create this, like, patriotic education program, you know. And so, um, again, it's it probably has this English-only component to it. So it's denying um, this idea of having individual sovereignty, like the Cayuga Nation. Um, wow. And... And that, you know, basically undermining, again, the indigenous people that live here and that everybody should assimilate and become American. That process is still going on today. Like it has not stopped at all. And um, it just continues. And so we're seeing the destruction of the language. We're seeing destruction of the culture and the undermining of that sovereignty that I think Native people fought so hard for to keep right. so that they could have their mm -hmm. religious practices, their ceremonial practices, and be mm -hmm. able to survive. And that's right. being threatened right now um, with this next presidency. And so when you drive through the town of Cayuga, there's like a huge irony there with all of these flags and Trump signs, you know, everywhere. Um, when those particular people are basically being threatened uh, to be wiped out of existence again. Well, yeah, I think it's just interesting for us to think about all of the different signs, you know, because we're mainly being led on this tour 
by you driving and thinking about these signs. So there's the Peach Town sign, the Indian Mound sign, but then we have these more temporary signs, like these lawn signs for the um, Trump campaign, right? (laughs) Alongside the Sullivan Clinton campaign. But then we also have these kind of liberal signs that are saying Black Lives Matter. So it just feels like we have all of this history that is in the landscape and it's all about the question of freedom, right? Even Seneca Falls, the fact that that says to people women's suffrage, that's about a question of freedom, but it's also naming the Seneca people. Exactly. It's it all but not referring to them. Right. <laughs> It's very, all of it is very, very much entangled. And I think that that's one of the things that Mm -hmm. we realized, I think, in our investigation is how many, how much of this history is, is, is entangled and drawn together and in some ways fighting for the same thing. And I, you know, I've been Mm. to a lot of historical areas in my life, you know, and and every place has history, you know, when you drive. Um, you can find those things, but never, I, you know, I've never found a place so, so involved uh, on the level that this area is. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can go from the Sullivan Clinton campaign and within, you know, 15 minutes, you can talk about women's suffrage. Um, you can talk about Harriet Tubman uh, within, yeah. you know, just a short drive from here. Um, and... Mm-hmm. And you, you know, again, thinking about uh, how the, the the people that settled this area after colonization, the the, the historical significance of all of the things that ha- have happened uh, there as well mm-hmm. in terms of power and privilege. So it's a yeah. very like interesting like drive driving around like Cayuga because <laughs> there's just so many things. And, and then there's just the beauty of it. So not only is there the farmland that I was discussing earlier, but there's also Montezuma, which is a reserve, right? right. For wetlands mm-hmm. and yeah. has bald eagle nests. And it's just oh. this like really, really beautiful um, space that's been reserved and the land trying to get it back to you know, the original wetlands that were here. And this is on the north side Mm -hmm. of Cayuga Lake, uh, where the lake gets very, very thin up here. So you can see right across it. It's, um, it's a, it's again, like between land and the people, the history of this place, it's just a really, really dynamic one hour drive you know, where you just get so many things. I mean, the thing that's interesting about all these things is that all you have to do is go outside your front door. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, everywhere I've lived, every place I've been in the United States, I can always go outside my front door and within miles find where indigenous people inhabited the space. So Mm -hmm. like when I lived in Iowa, you know, I went to Effigy Mounds in the northwestern part of Iowa. Mm -hmm. And 
it's like it's like the most amazing thing you would have ever seen in your life you know on top of this bluff that looks over the mississippi river mm-hmm. are these gigantic mounds in the shape of bears and birds there's like thousands of burial mounds there these huge burial mounds that overlook the uh, mississippi that where the trees open up they overlook i mean it's like wow it's one of the most cathartic like things i had ever seen in my life and these people lived there before before christ was born wow yeah in these communities, like large communities, like they had a mm-hmm. society, like they had organization, they had all these different things. And they were here. And they there was complexity. And that was just outside the door, you know, like, all you have to do is just go out and look and it's there. And that's the thing about this country is that people are not willing to do that. They um, you know, the things that are interesting or important to them are the signs that we see around Lake Cayuga, right? For, mm-hmm. I don't know, there was a sign that I saw, like the first town meeting was held here. Like, oh. you know, there, yeah. <laughs> like, those, like those are the signs that I always see around, like, okay, yeah. first town meeting, like, yeah, okay, cool. But there. <laughs> But there's so much more. There's just, you know, those are the things that are kind of being written and examined. And yet, effigy mounds exist. And for people not to understand that, or for people not to go to Chaco Canyon, or for people not to go to Cahokia outside of St. Louis, or this space um, here, it's just, it, it always blows my mind how you can't have that understanding when it's all right in front of your face. Um, It's just, you know, and these are the things that this is the darkness that we're in (laughs) and we've got to illuminate these things, these stories, these specific lights, beams of light. And um, that's the only way we're going to crack the veneer that has been created and I say veneer because I think it is very thin. I think it's thin mm-hmm. and we can crack it because what it's built on is something that is not very sturdy. Um, yeah. As you're saying, you know, you have to have acknowledgement of this for it really to be what it is. And if you continue to ignore the realities of the past and the people that existed here before or the 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 people that you brought here it 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 doesn't give what you're doing the validity that it needs and and again this is something that the the country is going to have to reckon with exactly. whether it likes it or not exactly whether the country likes it or not it has to reckon with how black and indigenous stories histories really are enmeshed how they're you know part of each other's narrative and this is why i think we really are looking at the land as a storyteller and why the rural is so important to both of us 
All right, that brings us to the end of this episode of Get Free. Citation is political, citation is ethical, so check the episode page for a text mentioned on this podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me, Tally Goff, on social media at Tally Goff, that's T-A-O-L-E-I-G-H-G-O-F-F-E, and on Instagram at Gastropoetics of Tau. So that's at Gastropoetics, G-A-S-T-R-O-P-O-E-T-I-C-S underscore of underscore Tau.